0: You have the best seat in the house. Welcome to the Front Row with the Utah Jazz. I'm your host, Holly Rowe. And this week, we caught up with legendary jazz coach, Frank Layden. Okay, so we have the star of the show. We've been playing all these fun clips of you from back in the day, all night long. Um, How were you able, when you first got the job, to coach the jazz, kind of bring them to Utah and, and get the people started to get excited about it?
1: Well, you know, I looked at it as a challenge. And let's face it, the Lakers didn't ask me to coach them. So this was the job. And I said, well, i got to make the most of it. And it was funny, Holly, because when I first, it was first announced that I was coming to here, I had been with the Atlanta Hawks with Ubi Brown. A lot of, we were building there a lot of success. We played for Ted Turner. He was a character, but he, he was a great guy. And, and we, were, we were showing signs. Of getting pretty good, and I took the job to come with uh, with Utah. First of all, I thought Utah was in Europe. You know, I, I it was it was it was amazing. I said, Salt Lake City, Utah. What are you kidding me? That's next to Jerusalem, right? I I had no idea. So anyway, we got here. People said, "You're not going to last there. When they get your act, right, with your cigars and your language and your your gait, they'll kick you out of there so fast." So I said, "Well." I said, it takes two to tangle. And I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I talked to my bishop, all right? Bishop Federal of the Catholic Church. And he said, Frank, they're gonna love you. So love them back, love them to death. And you know what I did? I you did. I, I, I went, I knew we didn't have a good team. If we had a good team, Holly, we would have stayed in the, uh, you know- uh, New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans. So, so I thought, what I've gotta do, I've gotta convince these people, that we're an asset. So I went around to the high schools, the, the, the high school boards and said, what can we do? Well, we'd, we'd prefer you didn't play on Friday nights as so we play football and we play the basketball games, stuff like that. We don't want you to steal us from that. I said, you know, we're gonna steal from you when we get good and that's gonna be out of the press. We're gonna steal pages on the, on the front page of the, of, the, of the Deseret News and the uh, Tribune. We're gonna steal from the radio and TV. There's no doubt, the pros are here and we're here to stay. Now, we better get good, because you can't promote a funeral. You know what I mean, you gotta have a good team. So, I mean, I tried to get around, to visit every town in this state. Anybody that wanna hear me, I was talking in 7-Eleven, down the basement. I I was talking in churches, I was all over the place. You know, Monday night, uh, what are you, what the, the moments of the family prayer, home evening. Family home evening. You know, I was all over but I go because I was the only face of the jazz. We we lost, uh, uh, of course, the great Pete Marovich, who was a great great player. It was a shame he didn't play. But we didn't have a very good team, so you know. And I I could tell stories, and uh, and make it up. And because you know, I came I came from a reasonably tough background, and I fought my way up, and I wanted to bring that with our team and make that our brand. And after a while we did.
0: You know, I think that you were, and I'm not just saying this, you were the perfect person at the bright moment for Utah to advance, for people to fall in love with your personality, get interested in this team. You drew eyes, you were interesting and then you were a heck of a coach. How did you balance, you know, being fun, being the act, being on all these things, but then being an outstanding coach and teacher?
1: Well, you know what, I think, I think uh, Johnny Wooden told us a long time. Someone asked him, what's a good coach? He said, a good coach is one who wins when he has good players. Nobody can win with bad players. I worked with UB Brown. In fact, I went to college with him, played with him in college, and we had a great coach there, top Scout, John Cowley. Yeah. But the thing is, nobody, you know, you could make them play harder, make them play a little better, but uh, you know, you're not necessarily gonna be better until you have better players. So what do you have to sell? Patience. And patience is a virtue and, and it's tough. A lot of people don't have it, especially when you're charging people. You know, you go into a restaurant and you have a bad meal. You're not coming back. You come back here and you have a disappointing performance. On the part of your team or a play, I love the theater. By the way, I love baseball more than basketball, and I love the theater more than all of it. But but the, the, needless to say, this was my job. So I said, "Well, what do I have to do? What do I have to sell it?" Me. There is nothing else. So it, I, I believe, of-
0: right? Belief that they could could get better.
1: Yeah, you know what? It, it takes time, and and sh- sure enough, we did some things that that turned out to be better than we ever thought. You know. The the obvious things of, of getting uh uh Carl Malone or John Stockton, future Hall of Fame, uh Pete Maravich or what have you, that's that's easy. But what about the others along the way, Cyril Bailey? What about Mark Eaton? What about Bobby Hanson? You know, uh you know Ricky Green, uh, you know, these uh, Jeff Wilkins who was here tonight. These these kind of people, it was the support staff behind the players that we earned by being bad by getting to good draft picks and, uh, and getting lucky, you know. And uh, and sure enough, when we got them all together, they believed in myself and that was important. I said, fellas, all I'm going to ask from you is that you give me everything you've got every single day. I'm going to ask for two hours of practice. We want you to be on time. We want you to come dressed, ready to play, you know, and we want you to try to listen and, and obey what we have. We had great assistant coaching, Phil Johnson. He was a proven coach. We were, and he knew the territory because he grew up here. And then we had, uh, you know, uh, the great uh, Jerry Sloan. And, uh, and he was the muscle. And we just, we didn't tolerate any nonsense, but we also had fun. We introduced some new things to the program that the players got to, you know, coaches interest us. He likes it. He's a little different than we've had in the past. Now, if you don't do what I say, it's my way or the highway. Sorry.
0: But you were the perfect blend of of that. And you were a fatherly figure in many ways. You know, we see the video and guys are crying and hugging you and they loved (laughs) you. But tell us, how did you navigate being that guy, but also demanding and requiring that they improve and become the team that we see start winning in the 83, 84, 85 season?
1: Well, I learned a few things. You know, it was funny. Uh, I talked to uh, Krzyzewski, the coach of uh, Duke. I talked to uh, Popovich, the coach of, uh, of uh, the Spurs now. And, uh, you yeah, know, we talked to both of them about what coaching, what do you feel your success in is? First of all, you're a coach or a teacher, all right? And, and you, you, you're not going to fool players who play the Stanford or Notre Dame. You know, you're not going to fool Rich Kelly went to staff. You're not going to fool Adrian Danley who went to Notre Dame. They're bright fellows. They're going to know if you're bluffing, if you're not telling the truth. But if you're consistent, for instance, we said, you've got to be on time. And I'm in Lamartie time. That means if we say practice is at 9, you better be there at 8.30. All right, 15 minutes to a half hour. We want you dressed, ready to flight. There's no nonsense. If we say practice is over at 1, it's over at 1. We're not gonna get mad and, and, and keep you another half hour. We know you've got a life to live, so we're gonna make sure that we get you out of here. We're interested in you as long as you prove proved to us that, that you're gonna work with us. And I'll give you a, a little example. I talked to, to, I was sitting upstairs with Mrs. Eaton, uh, Mark Eaton's lovely wife, and, and the, the question came about about Mark and, and the Jazz. Nobody wanted Mark. He didn't even play for, for UCLA. And one thing I learned, people say, he was seven foot five. He weighed 295 pounds. You can't teach height, You know, I love, I love big tall guys. I'd rather make big mistakes. So when we took him, I brought him in. He brought his agent. His agent didn't, had no other clients. That was, he was the only player he had. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, both of us run on short, short leashes. I got three years of my contract. I will sign you the th- a three-year guaranteed contract. Now, in those days, there was no guaranteed contracts. The a rookie contract, that's it. I said, I'll sign you three years, and we'll give you a guaranteed contract. Now, is that important? Well, it guarantees your, your pension. You never play a game. You never do a game. You have a three-year contract. You're eligible to, to be in the uh, NBA uh, Players Association pension. And, and I said, but there's a catch. You have to move here. You have to live here. And you have to do everything I say every single day, 365 days a year. And then maybe, maybe you'll be fit to wear a jazz uniform. Well, Mark came and he was better than we thought. He was tougher than we thought. And he was stronger. In fact, he was smaller. He became the head of the Players Association. He was captain of the team. He was a special guy, and he drew others to him because if he said, Hey, this is the way they do it here. And, and, and the others agree. You know, we got, we got, why didn't, why didn't Stockton get drafted sooner? Oh, he's too small. He's this, he's that. Ricky Green. You now, uh, we, we were, so many players came in that people said, they, They're not going to make it. They couldn't make it somewhere else. Why'd they go here? Why'd they get drafted late? All right. Carl Malone. I said, Hey, listen. I didn't draft uh, Mike Tyson. I drafted Carl Malone, all right? Not that I wouldn't take Tyson. He's from Brooklyn, too, you know. And so, but I said, I need Tufton. I need guys who fight every day. And that's what happened. You know, you never took a day off of us. We always demanded to pull up your socks, pull up your jocks, tuck in your shirts, and let's go to work.
0: You know, you, you brought up a good point just now. Um, what are the other decisions? We we've been playing some fun sound clips and you just did so many fun dramatic things, but one of the funny things that you say is the best thing you ever did from the Utah Jazz is to resign so Jerry Sloan could yeah. ascend to being a coach. What did you see in Jerry that made you feel like everything you've built will be safe with him?
1: You know, Jerry was he had the toughness and he had the old American Farm boy, toughness in him, you know, walk ten miles in a snowstorm to get to school and walk ten miles back and uh, and from practice and stuff. Like that. He had the toughness. He had the will to win. He was willing to give everything he had, and and he stood out as an example. I remember him playing against us. I mean, I never had to guard him, but he scared me. All <laughs> right, <laughs> just and he and he was a smart guy. He was very smart. A lot of people don't realize. He started college at Northwest as the first, and then, then he transferred to Evansville because he, he didn't like being away from home. But his mother made him go back to school and went back to Evansville and turned out to be the great player he was. But he needed polish. And I brought that from Brooklyn the teacher, said little town, small town guy that. And, and he got a feeling of trust in me. And I was grooming him. I had also, the other coach was my son, Scott. You know, someone said, gee, I think, yeah, that's the guy, Scott. Is that the episode or something? Or something or a fancy word for it. And I said, well, yeah. I said, you know why I hired him? I don't know if he knows anything about basketball, but I'm married to his mother. <laughs> I mean, I think that's good <laughs> enough. I got no idea what else. So anyway, you know, when Jerry was ready, it seemed to work right out. I was done. I had coached 10 years in high school. 10, Ten or eleven years in college and this was like my ninth or tenth year in approach I was ready to and if I had any regrets there was two regrets I had about just coaching here one was not being able to handle the Danley situation you know Danley was uh, in what way well I think I was the father I was the one in charge I should have made it work i let I let his agent uh, uh, take over and maybe he's smarter than me I guess. That was it, but we kind of lost him, and Dantley's a good guy. And when they wanted to hang his number up and get him into the Hall of Fame, I was all for it because I said it wasn't his fault. He was the student. He was the, he was the player. I was the one in charge. I screwed up, not him. I, that's something I would have done different. But I learned that like a lot of people do. You learn that later in life. And uh, I think uh, the other thing is I wouldn't have spent so much time in it. You know Why? I spent more time with other people's kids than my own. All right, I had Scott Layden, who played in college. I saw two games. I saw him play once in high school, once in college. My son, Michael, is with me today, brought me over here to the game. I saw him. He played football, baseball, and basketball right here in town. And I don't think I saw a a handful of games. I gave up that part of my life, which I saw later on when my grandchildren started to play. And now I'm out seeing more women's soccer and softball and everything else uh, that I, I realized what I had missed. You don't want to be so foolish that you give everything up. And then, of course, uh, you know, my lovely wife. She's a very better. I went to school when, uh, when she worked. She worked when I went to school. So, you know, we worked together that way. But you know what? I said, this is enough. I've had enough. What am I going to do? Win the championship? doubtful but maybe i said but i think if i step up one one grade and give jerry a chance with scott with phil johnson i think they're gonna have a uh, a, a younger group together and i think they'll they're good because i think uh guys like uh, sloan and i mean uh 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 Ballone and and stockton really believed him and they really believed in jerry and they would go to war with him and i had enough i I think there's a time everybody should look at themselves and say, maybe I should step. Maybe it's a father who turns his business over to his kids or whatever, but there's a time. And that was the right time for me, and it was the right time for, for them. And, of course, uh, the rest was history. We had, no doubt, the second-best basketball team, not in the NBA, in the world, in the world. And, uh, you know, except for this or that, who knows, we, we might have uh, been the, the world champs. But we were very exciting, and, and what people said, they'll never be able to support an NBA team in this city. Well, you know, Wendell Ashton, the, the publisher of the Desert News, who worked so hard to get us here, Larry Miller, who helped to build this wonderful building we're in, and so many people who bet everything they had on us making it. Well, they were right, and here we are. Fifty years later. Yeah, fifty years later and, and you know, all star games and everything else I doubt, and I mean this, I'm not bragging. I don't think we would have got the Olympics with him for the jazz.
0: You're right. We had to well, prove that this city
1: could support we could big time, right? All Star Games. Yep. Uh, probably we could we could handle a big T V and and the people could work here and you know, everybody's afraid, well, this is a six day city. Nobody works on Sunday, nobody does anything. But they proved that was wrong and we ended up being You know, an Olympic city and we'll be Olympic city again, not because of that, but because we proved already we can do it better than probably anyone else in the world.
0: I want to take you. I I hear I hear the fans cheering and the game's getting close, kind of coming down to the wire. I want to get your thoughts on the Jazz right now, because you come to the games. You're you're here all the time watching games. You still love this team.
1: Love this team. I love the game. You know, I don't get down. When they lose. Why not? That's one thing. I do the same thing in my college. I love my college where I went to school, where I played at Niagara and then coached there for 11 years. And, and, but when I read in the paper, oh, Niagara lost to Canisius, oh, they lost to St. Bob. I don't quit. Hey, that's, that's okay. You know, all I want them to do is do the best they can. Play as hard as they can, live up to their, their expectations and what their potential is. You can't ask people to do more than that you know but here's our problem here we're young we have a young and experienced coach all right he's learning on the way okay and i think he does a pretty good job just by the fact that he never gets technicals he's he's always in control that's one step above me he always always will be i used to go frantic you know cause it looked like a place was on fire when i was coaching but the thing is i think they're young they got young players they got the the, the 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 talent is spread out greater through the league. The league as a whole is tougher, and uh, and it's a tougher job now because you're charging the people a lot of money to come and see the see the team play. And like I said before, you want a good meal, you don't want to pay for a bad meal. You won't come back. So they got it. They got to turn out a good product. Now, who we got? Danny Ainge. I, I'm not worried about him. Winner, he's been, yeah, ever everywhere he's ever gone. he's went. One of the great athletes in the world, Major League Baseball, as well as Major League Basketball on winning programs. Uh, a good guy, you know? And he loves the area. He loves his church, whatever. And, and, the, uh, and the owner, Brian Smith, is, uh, is a terrific guy. And he wants to have, have, be successful. This is his home. This is where he wants to be. He's not gonna leave here and move back to Brooklyn. You know, no, no. And so, you know, he's here. So patience is hard to come by. It's a virtue that's hard to come by. But I think they'll get it done, and we just have to wait and see. And when the breakthrough comes, we'll all recognize it. And we'll say, wow, you know. But right now, we can't forget about the great heritage. We've already turned it. We have memories to to live on, and uh, just just as BYU, Utah, and, and, and our other colleges do also. Great backgrounds. And something to build up. We're not the new kid on the block. We've got a great facility. We've got good leadership in the front office. And uh, we have good, uh, good uh, leadership on the floor. And we have young players. But we're inexperienced at young now. That's the okay. only thing that's really good and veteran is our broadcasters. <laughs> I, I mean, Holly, every time I turn on, she's on more than, than Biden. I mean, every time <laughs> I turn on the TV, you've got to be kidding me. You should run for president. But, you know, and I think that uh, they've got a lot to be uh, happy. I think this idea of bringing the players back and and having these nights, you know, the 80s and the the 70s, stuff, that's a good idea. It's letting people know that we have a great background. Keeping
0: Uh, that history alive and the passion and the the tradition. Isn't that
1: that what the Yankees are about? Exactly. Isn't that what the Notre Dame is about? Yeah. The only thing I wish that we hadn't done, and I could afford it more, and I didn't. I was tired even then, start, starting to feel tired, is that we ever change our uniforms. We had these unique uniforms that represented the Mardi Gras. The Mardi you know, Gras colors. Yeah, well, we're the coming Mardi Gras back to it. We've got the purple well, back. Well, we have to, yeah. We're getting back. Yes, we should, we uh, do more and more of that and have the great traditions because the Yankees, they're always in the stripes. Michigan always got the, the stripes on the helmet. And Notre Dame, the blue and gold. You know, there's something about traditions of course, people that are famous and, and uh, get famous, they're going to wear the same outfit.
0: Absolutely. You know?
1: We don't get married in bathing suits. You know, we get married in just uh, ducks and
0: yeah, all up. Except for Pamela Lee Anderson. I do think she got married in a bathing suit. Well, but she I don't know could. if you saw that, Coach. I don't well, know. Well, she could. She could.
1: <laughs> she could <laughs> get okay. away with it.
0: What I can't tell you what a delight. I think you know I adore you with my whole heart, and I'm going to cry, but you are the best ever. And you are beloved by Jads. Thanks, Shannon. I'm so proud that I got to interview you tonight. So well, this really big for me. Again. Let's do it again. Yes. Let's do it again. We. we the Holly
1: and Frank Show. Okay. We're gonna, be... We're gonna yeah, do it. Yeah, but you see, you're too smart for right? me. You have to remember all these sports at one time. You know, I. But I. I got nothing on
0: you. I promise you, your mind is so much quicker. But... Okay. I have a great idea, but please okay. say yes to this. So you and Hubie Brown are still to this day dear friends. Yes, I have been to dinner with Hubie, where he sits around and tells stories. Yes, can we have some kind of Hubie Frank date that we just sit and tell stories it's up all night? Him.
1: He's the famous one. Okay, I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna it was, work on uh, it. I'll, to, I'll tell you this though, this will be a good day. I admitted this. I copied of his papers. That's how I got to college. Hubie was a very good student, you know. So and I wasn't. I was a good sleeper. But we roomed together for four years.
0: But I bet you gave him some pizzazz and personality. Okay, I bet you know it was they, a good partnership.
1: Uh, he, he, did he have a change of personality? He, he was a very good baseball player. And then of course we had Calvin Murphy. Right. Oh, so, one of the greats. Yeah, so what happens is, that's that's what you need to. I said first of all, if you're going to coach, get uh, get a, a player on your team. That's like uh, uh, what's his name? What did I say? Calvin Murphy, and then have your roommate be uh UB Brown. So Yubi came to me when I was coaching Niagara and said, You gotta get out of here. The future's in the pros. That's where the money's gonna be, everything. That's where I started. So I he coach- encouraged you to go to the pros. I went to, I went as an assistant to him for three years at Atlanta. And we worked for Ted Turner. What a combination. That was That's a bunch of guys oh, right boy. there.
0: I, we, Ted, we need those stories and we'll Ted hear those Turner stories. Was,
1: yeah, Ted was, was a terrific guy, very generous to, to my family and uh, and a good a good guy to know and I said, all right
0: all right i'm going to set it up me you hubie on a zoom we're going to make it happen but thank you for being with us tonight coach i'm going to let
1: you go and watch the i end will of this be game here anytime good. you want me Every- anytime the jazz need me i told ryan you you know you know where you know where Eric to find me. Get, get him get me
0: all right i we love you. you coach we love you so much thank you so much thank you love you too all right. thank, all right. you. thank you